Hello listeners. Welcome to season 2 of the Masters Decoded podcast. I am Anish Merchant, the chief decoder. I want to thank you for the overwhelming response to season 1. Your feedback and encouragement led me to bring you season 2 of the Masters Decoded. The season will tap into how technology, artificial intelligence and other socio-economic factors have impacted my guest careers or passion. My next guest on today's podcast is Vandana Bhatnagar. Vandana is currently serving as a chief program officer for the National Skill Development Corporation of India. Before this role, she was associated with World Bank focusing on national development programs that have significantly impacted the country's development. An MBA from IIM Kolkata, her career has been an inspiring journey. Listen in further to hear her unveil the journey. Hi Vandana, welcome to Masters Decoded podcast series. Really glad to have you. Thanks Anish, it's a pleasure to be here. Vandana, when I looked at your profile and the association which you are a part of, which is the National Skill Development Corporation, and candidly I was not aware of the association, but when I read through it, uh, I was completely awed by the impact the organization is creating. Uh, so you want to share a little bit about what does NSDC do and what's your role in that? Sure. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you know some people may not be aware of what NSDC does, and uh, when they do discover, then they are quite pleasantly surprised. And many times when they visited our office, they're even more pleasantly surprised. So just to give a quick uh, sense of what NSDC, it's a public-private partnership. It was created by the government along with industry associations about ten years back, um, and its its primary role is really to bring in the private sector. to uh, to facilitate skill development that's better aligned with what the market requirements are mm-hmm. so it was really created with the intention of uh, bringing in a more uh, market aligned uh, skilling ecosystem and leveraging the private sector's capacities to deliver that so over the years uh, we've created a fairly robust ecosystem which is currently we have about over 700 training partners Uh, wow. who have uh, trainings of various kinds ranging from basic training for blue gray collar kind of uh, 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 job roles right mm-hmm. up to very high level it financial services medical services kind of uh, job roles and uh, we have also created industry bodies who are acting like the nodal point for each sector so there are 37 sector skill councils so through this entire ecosystem uh we have trainings of various kinds close to 4 to 5 million trainings uh, or people get impacted with these various wow. kinds of programs some are market based where people are paying for it some are government funded um and uh, my role really is to uh, uh, to provide a kind of an oversight function and coordinate these programs that are running through our partners uh currently i'm focusing more on the programs which are run under government programs and with some of the industry partners and we also i i kind of coordinate the kind of quality standards quality assurance systems that we mm-hmm. are uh, uh, introducing and requiring our partners to follow so that's broadly what i do and we have now recently seen a huge ramp up in some of the digital initiatives as well Uh, okay. So that's the new area that uh, the teams that I coordinate with are focusing on as we go forward. 
it's a pretty large endeavor because you have uh, it's not pertaining to a particular state or a city or a area of a scale it's national scale on a country which is 1.4 billion people it's not a small endeavor uh and just want to pick your brains and get your perspective the industry is evolving india is evolving the skill requirements are evolving uh you know where do you see a lot of interest because you all are impacting many people through this initiative what are you did speak about digital but what skills are becoming more prominent uh, which is you know being an ask of the industry as well as a focus from nsdc side so you see um, there's no uh, india as you're saying is a very diverse country so really there's no single answer to that uh, because it depends also on the segments that you look at but uh, i mean if you look at for example the blue and gray collar segments there's a lot of focus currently on logistics on healthcare services on even apparel uh, these sectors are seeing a lot of traction for those roles mm-hmm. and uh, but if you look at some of the uh, the roles which are relevant for say college uh, students and post graduates um, clearly as we all know future skills are becoming very very important data analytics and machine learning skills mobile application development um, these are kind of cutting across sectors across geographies across sectors uh, but if we even look at sectorally um, then uh, while we have these uh, sectors like healthcare etc but if i were to just look at uh, say a 3 4 year time horizon some of the sectors which are uh, i would club them as the creator economy the nurturing economy the green economy uh, these are going to really ramp up so when we are hmm. saying creator economy we're looking at things like content creation uh looking at media a lot of things like you're seeing the tr- amount of activity on youtube people creating their own channels um and lot of emphasis on content ramping up and using new technologies including ar vr um and then of course in the nurture economy the health sector is seeing an extremely large demand um and that's not just you know medical personnel but even things like health related it uh the kind of customer interface have administrative services all of which are going towards supporting the health services and uh, then you have of course uh, things like education which is edtech is growing really fast uh so these are things where we are seeing a lot of growth and demand but across the board if you look at it the future skills that i mentioned are going to be equally applicable everywhere in fact in turn shala in one of their surveys and studies said digital marketing web and mobile app development are some of the top profiles and we know that anybody who has done data analytics has good skills in it enjoys a salary premium a definite salary premium so those are the kind of things which i would imagine uh, people are needing to acquire their skills on to remain uh, in demand you mentioned a very interesting perspective uh, the creator economy the nurturing economy and the green economy uh, but today that specific economy is largely in the urban cities and tier 1 tier 2 and tier 3 as well but if you look at the grassroots yeah. uh, what i would call as the rural side of india uh, you know how is uh, your role focused on uplifting that aspect as well because you know digital yeah. marketing content creation technology is still not reaching those parts of india yet 
So how is NSDC focusing on that part and your role? Well, it's a tough one. Um, and if I were to really dumb it down, uh, sometimes when I have to explain, uh, you know, what we have in the country is a, is a difficult transition we are doing where we have an overwhelmingly large portion of our uh, working age population who have been traditionally engaged in agriculture, um, yep. but they are moving out of it. So if you look at the younger people who come from, say, agricultural families, most of them do not wish to continue to be in that sector. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, And so a lot of them are trying to move out into, uh, let's call it old Bharat, into India. And within yep. India, you have the low-skill India, which is the blue-gray collar kind of economy. You have the delivery boys, you have the housekeeping staff, security guards, construction workers largely more urban or peri-urban expansions happening. So they're transitioning into those areas. And the ones who have better education or the ones who are in the low-skill uh, India but are wanting to move up are moving into aspirational India, which is, again, what I mentioned earlier. But there is another segment, which is the new Bharat, which is uh, where one hopes there will be an opportunity that will expand, which is where new agricultural techniques. Agrotech, as you know, is seeing a huge amount of uh, action in terms of startups. E-commerce is expanding rapidly into tier three, four, five towns and uh, rural areas as well. FinTech is expanding. Healthcare extension services is expanding. So the new Bharat will also see a lot of opportunities. It's still early days to make a strong pitch, but there are pockets in the country where there is a demand. And even renewables, uh, you know, look at the kind of uh, need in solar. Uh, so there are opportunities that are coming up. We are working wherever there is traction. One of the things that NSDC has to actually keep in mind is the trace killing has to be as far as possible linked to where there is high probability of a job. Mm. We need to do trainings which will result in a relatively high probability of getting into a job. So doing it prematurely before there is readiness in the sector to absorb manpower uh, results in frustration for the student. Uh, so that's uh, what we do. But we do have, uh, even in those segments, a lot of work happening. The other quick thing is that in agriculture, a lot of people are not that ready to do three-month, four-month programs. Yep. So we have short upskilling modules linked to formal certification, uh, which are run in about a week or five days so that people don't have to stop working, they get a bit of exposure, then go back to what they are doing otherwise. So that's something which I think, hopefully, but frankly, uh, many other programs are there, which NSDC doesn't directly run, which are also targeting the rural areas. So we are not the only player in this. Yep. Uh, talking about you, uh, uh, bringing the focus back on you, Vandana, uh, if I look at your impact and in the last six years or five years, you've been associated with NSDC. But prior to that, you also took on a massive role uh, working with the World Bank on water sanitization program. Uh, and I was just thinking like today, you know, the typical Indian thought about roti kapra makan, which is the basic food, basic necessities. Water is the basic necessity, uh, you know. And I would love to understand, you know, what was that role all about? because that also has, I'm sure, had a massive impact on what you were trying to focus on. Uh, yes. So actually, that was an extremely interesting journey in my professional life. And 
Um, water sector is really one of those sectors which is so very central to any human society. Um, yeah. But it is also one of the more intractable challenges. Uh, and in Indian, Indian context, a little more so. Uh, so it's, it's a combination of, uh, uh, you know, ideological positions linked to water, resource constraints linked to water, capacity issues uh, to ensure that you can provide water services. So if we look at what I was doing and the kind of uh, programs that we were running, uh, you know, many times people jump into the story on technology. How do we get the right technology to make water available? But actually, the bigger challenge is in institutions uh, that are, are obliged to make that water service available to the citizen. Uh, so as we used to say that our endeavor was to not fix the pipes so much as to fix the institutions that fix the pipes. Um, because you can have the most elaborate treatment plant, you can set up pipelines, but finally to get that water coming out of the tap requires a lot more what the incentives are, what are the uh, financial models which are running that institution, what is the capacity. So we uh, were working on interventions to uh, address the institutional challenges in, in the water service providing departments or institutions that we have in our country. And uh, both from the side of engaging with governments, um, which are, of course, finally going to take those decisions to address those challenges. But on the other side, also to create greater understanding amongst the external stakeholders on what it takes to get water, which is high quality and at the right price and predictable. So it was both from an advocacy of external stakeholders as well as uh, the government partners. And it was a fascinating journey, uh, many highs, many frustrating moments. Um, um, but a uh, lot of learning, and uh, we worked with the national government counterparts, with state governments in select states, um, and in many cases, some of the local governments as well, municipal bodies. My role was more related to urban water supply, um, and I, prior to that, I was also working on solid waste management, uh, which is another big <laughs> challenge in our country. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I mean, maybe we can chat later down this conversation as to what my lessons were after moving from the corporate sector into the development sector. <laughs> but it was interesting. Just talking about the corporate uh, experience, uh, it's, it's an interesting transitions you've had in your career. You started with Standard Charter way back, uh, which was in the finance. You did work with TRI, which is the Tata Research Institute. And uh, you went back into finance and then went into some consulting and infrastructure. And then you went to the development side of the, of the nation. Uh, how did this career span out and how, you know, your initial years of work experience, how did it help what you are doing currently today? As well as when you look back, are those decisions all lining up today? Yeah, so actually, to be honest, it wasn't by design. Um, and clearly seeing my professional journey, it definitely couldn't have been by design. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, I kind of uh, went along with my professional journey. I started, you know, in Standard, Standard Chartered, which was a natural kind of choice after an you know, MBA time. And, uh, you know, it was an extremely valuable experience. Uh, but 
after a point uh, of working and learning, I realized that that's not the uh, kind of professional journey I could imagine myself in the long term. Um, it was something which gave me a lot of professional expertise in many areas and domains. But uh, in terms of motivation of what gives me a kick at the end of the day, uh, after a day's uh, job, uh, that really wasn't it. Uh, so people who were in it, I had seen, had maybe uh, who were five, six years after, beyond what my experience was. I couldn't relate to that, uh, uh, you know, professional trajectory. And on this side, I had been very interested in environmental-related uh, issues and uh, had friends who were in that domain. I was almost looking at doing a second master's uh, in, in environmental economics. Wow. Uh, but then... Um, uh, you know, this uh, opportunity of India working with Terry came along. It was a huge leap in the dark. And to be honest, when I took it up, I said, I'll give it a year. If it doesn't work for me, I'll try and job, you know, hop back. Um, and uh, somehow I you know, stayed around for four years there. Um, it was a big shift because from the corporate sector to not-for-profit, uh, many, mm -hmm. many different uh, things you have to adapt to apart from financial changes. Um, but, you know, it was enormously interesting because I was pretty much learning on the go. I hadn't got a degree in environmental studies. So I was having to self-learn as I went along. And I was working on a project which was trying to bring in environmental risk analyses and kind of metricizing corporate performance on environmental aspects. Um, and coming from a financial background, I was interested to see if, if it were metricized, can environmental risk become one of the attributes that corporates are assessed on uh, when they are being financed. Um, wow. So it was trying to embed environment into decision-making. Um, so that was a very useful learning experience since I had to do a lot of learning. After seven years of working, suddenly I was at ground zero, a lot of humility also, uh, but it was very useful. And uh, after that, IDFC was something which just came along and uh, I went into IDFC thinking it was a natural extension. But as it happened, I had to leave relatively soon after because I landed up with, uh, uh, you know, conceiving twins. And I realized wow. that uh, I would not be able to do justice to the role or my personal situation. And I had medical issues. So basically, I took a short break. And while I was on a break and I decided after a year or two to try some short consulting work, the possibilities came up with uh, the World Bank as a consultant. So I kind of, you know, trans transitioned in mm -hmm. manner, which was uh, just very organic. And uh, I just kept my mind open. Um, and as the opportunity presented with itself, I said, why not? And uh, it evolved. So I transitioned as a consultant. And then after a while, they asked me to come on board as a full-time resource. And that's how I stayed with the World Bank for a while. And after I'd been at the World Bank for about nine years, plus uh, uh, this opportunity in National Skill Development Corporation came up. It was a complete sector change. So I was wary. I was fairly wary of that. Uh, but again, I was interested in trying something new before I drew a close to my career. I didn't want to be staying in the World Bank forever. Um, so actually, what motivated me to join there was something that NSDC does, uh, which is called uh, the World Skill Competition, which is a global competition. 
I'm glad you know about it. So we were hosting the India Skills part of it to identify the India team. Um, and the CEO had who had been asking me to come on board. He said, "Why don't you go and see that?" So I went to Pragati Maidan, and I was so astounded with the sheer energy there and the youth who were there, and uh, you know, just the can-do yep. spirit which was there, coming from very, very back, you know, humble backgrounds. People were really pitching hard to make it uh, at the top. So it kind of was very exciting, and I kind of joined NSDC. But, you know, what's been interesting is it's all stitched together, really, at the end without it being planned because I landed up handling a funding portfolio at NSDC. Um, okay. And a lot of the, so the funding portfolio bit, I drew upon my banking experience. And the institutional side, frankly, uh, there were a lot of, uh, you know, synergies with the institutional challenges and issues I'd seen in the earlier sector. So I could draw upon that also to understand what kind of uh, challenges and interventions could be relevant for skill development. So yes, it's stitched together. And uh, since NSDC works with NGOs, corporates, uh, and the government, uh, I, my experience in all three is there. Uh, so I can engage with these stakeholders fairly easily um, and understand where they come from. So that's basically what my journey has been. Uh, it's pretty inspirational, Vandana. Because uh, for me, as a listener, uh, by the way, uh, before I go ahead and share some thoughts, because you spoke about twins, are they identical, completely identical twins, or they are? <laughs> no, they are. They are uh, not identical. They're fraternal twins. They're two girls, and uh, uh, you know, they started college last year. So, uh, okay. in the midst of the pandemic, <laughs> I'll just share a trivia. I'm married to a twin as well. One of them. Oh my. Yes, uh, and the other twin, which is a girl as well, is married to my younger brother. So it's uh, oh my, that's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, because they, uh, hopefully not identical, are they? They are identical. Oh my, that's interesting. <laughs> it is. So, uh, but as they say, twins may not have twins. So my wife and we don't have twins. Uh, so it's a very rare case a twin may have a twin, but our sons are not twins or my brother's daughters are not twins. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so just wanted to share that. Uh, uh, but talking about your career again, I, I think uh, you spoke about you taking a break because you had you had children and a lot of women have to go through the same process. And, you know, reinitiating their careers after they have taken, some may get, maternity leaves and they may come back but they have lost that time in corporate side and we are seeing a lot of conversation today in india and globally about this phase how do we support women how do we support uh, people who go through these transitions and maybe men as well today we do see men also taking sabbatical because uh, you know they may become at home dads uh, rather than uh, you know women taking that but it's not a big phenomena yet uh, we do see women still sacrificing i will use that word um, in their career. So uh, from your perspective, and especially when it comes to NSDC, how, it, and gender diversity is also a big conversation today, uh, which is, and especially women in tech is also a big conversation. How do you, in your current role, you're trying to facilitate because you yourself have experienced so, uh, you see, uh, the, the interventions that we have under the government programs, 
uh, is where we can influence this to some extent. The programs which are run under the market-funded programs, uh, we do not impose anything from our side on this. Of course, we track the metrics, but we cannot influence their choices uh, because that then uh, questions the model that they are working with. But on the government programming, which we do, um, the interesting thing is that despite us not mandating anything, 50% uh, of the, pro, uh, the candidates which were trained under the national government program called Pradhan Mantri Koshal Vikas Yojana, PMKVY, 50% were women. And wow. uh, it wasn't something that we, we mandated. It wasn't something that we incentivized. But that was the mix that we landed up with. But underlying that, there is a bit of a skew in the sense that if we look at which sectors most of these women uh, have been trained, they tend to be more on the traditional sectors that we would see women in, which is in beauty, healthcare, and apparel, uh, to some extent in uh, healthcare as well. Um, so basically, there is a sectoral bias on where we have more women, um, but there is a definitely strong presence even in other sectors. So what we see is, you see that, uh, you know, the effort on the part of the training providers is to mobilize candidates who show interest. A lot of women who were basically homemakers have gone into some of these traditional training programs in beauty or apparel and started something in their homes. Um, it gave them an opportunity to get started. Um, and I'm here now talking not really about the, uh, the graduates as yet. I'm talking about the women who are from weaker education backgrounds. So I think the, and the advantage of the government program for them was it was free. So even if a family was reluctant to invest anything for a woman to get skilled, she could get going in these programs. Um, so I think they definitely gave uh, opportunity and a break. And we have enormous number of uh, such stories, individual stories on how the training gave them a leg up to move ahead. Okay. Having said, uh, even from uh, you know areas like Jharkhand, Chhattisgarh, I have seen uh, women coming from rural areas, tribal areas, with absolutely amazing amount of motivation and drive to break out and take the challenge of, you know, uh, roles outside their geographies, even outside the country. I interacted with a woman who was a young married woman who came from the village, took her husband into the city for the training program, and said, I'm going into this. It was a residential training program in a technical role. And wow. she was going to go to the Middle East. Uh, for project work, uh, though she had no experience at all of living outside. But that fire was there. I've met a girl who fasted uh, in Karnataka to allow her parents to go into a program in Bangalore, which was residential. So, you know, it's more about giving that opportunity to the women who are interested so that they can make that first step within whatever is their ability. Some might not be able to make such drastic steps. Some will be saying, let me work, do something from my home. And the same is true for now um, in, in the uh, graduate segment. And the interesting thing is at an overall scheme level, it's not just the mix that we have 50%, but the absentee rate is lower for women. Their pass rate is uh, better than men. And their uh, placement rate is even higher. But wow. salary levels tend to be about 15% less. 
Um, so you see, from our side, uh, we've basically provided an opportunity nearer to their homes. And that is an opportunity if women have been able to make that first step from their side, they've been able to build on it and go ahead with it. So that's what our effort has been. And there are several centers which are only for women. Also, we have made an effort across some of our model training centers to provide facilities like creches so that even young mothers can come in, uh, you know, get themselves upskilled. But going forward, I think uh, things like the gig economy, work from home, all those things will hopefully provide a lot more ability for women to stay connected in their workplace. And uh, professional women, for sure, I think will be enabled. Uh, because many of them take that break because they struggle to be away from home uh, when they have young children. So that's, I think, uh, where we are. But it, in India, it's a very long road ahead. We have had an abysmally low level of labor force part uh, participation by women. It's you know under 24% now. Um, and that's very worrying. Uh, so we do have... No, and I agree. I think it's a, it's a joint effort one association, one body cannot do it. It's fixing those grassroots issues also. Uh, I had recently participated in a research report where I said it's it needs to start at a very young age for families where they have daughters at home who can be educated. Parents need to be educated, not the daughters, on how to make them independent rather than, you know, they should get married, they should be learning to cook. You know, those are good practices. Both boys and girls should learn. But it's not just that they are only made for home. So I think it needs a more grassroots fix rather than a, you know, other fixes. One of the things we've heard also is that it's not just about the skills and jobs. Other things need to come together like safe transportation, uh, yep. safe working place environment. Um, all of those will influence the decision of women to go out and work in an external workplace. Uh, if we don't have those, uh, you know, dots uh, lined up and connected, It'll, the chain breaks down somewhere. Yeah. In your role, it is just fascinating the kind of impact, whether it is current NSDC or at World Bank or previously as well, with Terry as well, uh, with Tata uh, Research. Uh, you know, have there been any moments which are memorable, which, you know, are something which you really remember and smile or have a great fond memory of? Well, um, there have been several. Um, so I think uh, at the World Bank, uh, you know, we had worked a lot on uh, something which was, uh, you know, carried forward by me, which another colleague had started. Uh, but we managed to take it up to a fairly uh, successful culmination, which was related to really performance monitoring of uh, urban services. And uh, it's a huge challenge because government bodies uh, being amenable to performance monitoring is not the easiest thing to. Um, and the effort was something which uh, was a coordinated uh, you know, effort. It's called service level benchmarks. So we, over about two years, we worked on creating a agreed framework along with the ministry led by the joint secretary of the time. But we created a coalition of development partners because it was not something that one organization, even World Bank by itself, could do. So it was a partners uh, coalition, and we worked with about 23, uh, 25, I think, cities, if I remember right, which uh, you know did that pilot exercise 
and we worked with the local counterparts to come up with the data, had a big workshop, huge amount of energy got generated and it was very well received. And finally, it got even embedded in the Finance Commission report, 13th Finance Commission report, which was a big uh, achievement for us at the time um, because, uh, you know, getting it institutionalized. Of course, it then did, uh, you know, flounder after a few years because these projects need continued support. The other thing, which was an extension of this, which was uh, doing citizen feedback surveys, uh, we made an extension of this exercise where we said it's not enough that the service providers report what they do, but we need to hear what citizens say is the performance looking like from their point of view. So if the city is saying I'm delivering water for, say, six hours, but if the citizen is getting for one hour, there's a huge disconnect. Uh, so we wanted to capture what the services look like from the citizen's feedback point of view. So we did this a massive exercise called SLB Connect, Service Level Benchmarks Connect, which captured with service uh, feedback from uh, people uh, in a geotagged map what the service picture looked like for cities. We did that in nine cities. And uh, it used technology, it used, uh, you know, uh, feet on the ground, but the conversion of data into an analyzed output was very rapid. And that got picked up as an approach by what you might have seen called Swachh Sarvekshan, yep. uh, which is an annual exercise that the Ministry of Urban Development does, because they had been pondering on how do you, how do we monitor services and capture this uh, quickly for 900, or oh, sorry, about, uh, you know, all the cities in the country. And uh, they didn't know how to do it. When we demonstrated this approach, they said, okay, let's try and scale this and uh, use technology for that. So, in uh, that they picked up our systems, adapted it to their requirement. And uh, within about, I think, two weeks or so, they managed to get data and process it for 70 cities. Um, wow. And they kept expanding it to 300 plus cities and more. Now it's an institutionalized exercise. Of course, there are a lot of criticisms on the metrics they use, but it includes a feedback component from citizens, where you call in and give feedback. So these are things, you know, which you feel happy about, which uh, uh, which one has contributed in one's own small way to taking that little needle, you know, forward. Of course, lots more to be done, but these are some of my high points at the World Bank. That's amazing, Vandana. Uh, there are only few people who get a chance to make a national impact, an impact which is larger for the society than, you know, bringing in more revenue or saving margins. So I think... That's an interesting perspective. Uh, learning from your own career, if you have to share perspectives to the listeners, men and women, if they are thinking about developing their careers, you know, like you have, you've taken on leap of faith on joining industries which you were completely not aware of. You know, there is a lot of conversations, fake it till you make it, but you didn't fake it. You actually went in it. You said yes before even knowing about it, and then you started learning something better at it, getting better. And this is what even uh, Sir Richard Branson talks about. Say yes, even you don't know, and then learn on the job. And you've done that. So uh, what's your perspective or feedback or recommendations to people who are building careers? So, you know, today's time is completely different from where we began our careers from. I shouldn't say we, I, you're much younger. Um, but, no. uh, <laughs> Few years difference, but no. 
but you know, uh, one of the things which I struggled with in the beginning, which today is far less difficult, is that there is so much knowledge available on the internet at the tap of your finger. So even if you want to jump uh, sectors, it's way more easy today than it used to be. So you don't have to fake too long, to be honest. Uh, you can get, uh, you know, the key, I think, uh, and I would probably put it down to is uh, three things. And uh, it, today, the world is extremely unpredictable. And also careers are going to be very, very unpredictable. And like we've seen for many other things, it's an era of mass customization from, you know, a time of mass standardization, we are moving to mass customization and it'll be the same for professions. Uh, we can't follow and mimic existing templates. So uh, I think it's very important that the youth start their uh, experiential journey of discovering themselves early and uh, on what interests them, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses. And that happens only when one engages in various kinds of work environments or projects or activities of any kind, but to develop those skills uh, which are needed uh, to know what are my core strengths. And today the expectation is when a person, even as a college graduate, uh, is arriving with way more skills today than what we entered the work life with, even after a postgraduate. So the expectation is that uh, apart from discovering and knowing yourself, that you should be able to develop yourself. And that's something which becomes completely, I think, critical, that people need to learn how to learn. Um, and uh, that, I feel, to be honest, in schools, they need to start kids and make it mandatory to do one learning module themselves, they are on course. Uh, so that you learn how to find out what do I want to learn? How do I go and stick it out through that learning journey on my own without a teacher or somebody pushing me? So I think that first is discover. The second is developing yourself. And today, even with CVs, I look for whether there was any self-learning that the person has done. It shows me that they, do they have a learning mindset um, uh, and are they willing to adapt and learn? Because even today, if I hire somebody, Two years later, their job might look very different because of the changing demands. And the third is, and I see this from, you know, what I've observed from my children's generation and I see with young colleagues, it's a difficult and complex world. You have too many options, choices. There's too much chatter and noise all around. So I think it's important that we learn to discipline ourselves, um, which means knowing and having a routine for one's own well-being. Hmm. Uh, physical and mental health. Um, I've seen way too many young people, uh, you know, kind of getting into difficult situations. So while we navigate today's world, I think very early in life, one needs to develop and create one's own discipline and routine of uh, anchoring oneself and rebooting one's own self. So both, and I'll say rather three Ds, and sorry for sounding gimmicky, but uh, no. it's yourself early, keep discovering, it will be a constant process. I've discovered things about myself through my work experience, which I never thought I had uh, when I began uh, work life. Um, and second is developing yourself constantly. Um, and the third, I would say, is discipline. Learn the art of discipline. Uh, that would be, to me, three most important things. Um, and, and, and then if, we, if there are people who are wanting to explore the development sector, which is where I am, 
Um, mm -hmm. It's an extremely exciting sector, but it's very diverse. You can be a grassroots kind of person. You could be a more institutional kind of person, which is what something like the World Bank or other Gates Foundation, etc., to manage large programs. Uh, you could be a social entrepreneur, uh, which is a different kind of model. So there are many models, and uh, one needs to be willing to explore those spaces and figure out what works for you, uh, because not all of these will be compatible with one's personal work style. Um, and I think the part which is very different in the development sector is it's way more fuzzy. So while there are very inspiring big goals that you're pitching at, there are many, very few variables that are in your control, unlike in a private business. Uh, yeah. You have to be willing to have the patience uh, to work through the process, huge amount of advocacy effort needed, stakeholder management. So one needs to now be having that humility and patience to work through the journey in the development sector. Uh, so highs, a lot of highs, but also a lot of lows and frustrating moments. So that's, I think, to me, what I would like to say to the people around. No, on that note, uh, Vandana, this has, I really love the discover, develop, and discipline. Uh, and your point about people need to know how to learn and keep learning throughout their career. It's a very important and relevant uh, conversation today. You know, people used to talk about T-shaped skills. Today it is key shape, like the key. Uh, and that's an interesting perspective and how you talk about keep learning. And, and I really love the 3D framework, which you have uh, shared with the listeners. Uh, I know you are super busy. Uh, you have a lot of responsibilities apart from personal life. Uh, from keeping the nation skills developed. So I don't want to take much of your time today. But thank you for uh, spending this close to an hour with us uh, on today's podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Anis. It was my pleasure. And uh, uh, all the best for your podcast. Uh, it's a very fascinating theme you picked up. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening in. And we close yet another episode of Masters Decoded. If you've enjoyed the episode, please, you can help us out by sharing it on social media. I would personally appreciate that. It's how we can reach more listeners, and the more listeners we have, the more awesome guests I can get in touch and convince to participate in these conversations that are a joy to have for me, and I hope they are a joy for you to listen as well. You can also help a lot leaving reviews on iTunes or your podcast service of choice. Reviews are surprisingly helpful in supporting the podcast to get to more listeners. If this episode has intrigued you, I would request you to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date and get notified to the future episodes. With that, I bid you and see you in the next episode.